Hi, my name is Carly. I'm here with Yvette, and we're going to be talking about inequity in CPS schools. And we're just going to tell you guys a little bit about ourselves. My name is Carly Hernandez. I'm a, Harper stu- a student at Harvard College, and I'm studying education, preferably the little kids' elementary school. Mm-hmm. I'm a first-generation college student out of just pretty much three of us right now. And my parents originate from... My dad was from Mexico. He's from Guanajuato. Mm-hmm. So we're close, you know, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then my mom is from Juticalpa, Honduras. And just a little about about myself. I like to be with my loved ones, spending time with them, traveling, getting mm-hmm. to explore new places, and just, like, being out. I hate being inside the house <laughs> a lot. Yeah. But I'm going to be introducing Yvette, and she's going to be telling us about herself. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ivero Campo Martinez. As of a couple of months ago, I just recently got married to my husband. Um, and I am also a first-generation college student. Um, I am the first of five children to graduate. Um, and I actually graduated from a local Chicago school, DePaul University. Um, and my parents are also immigrants of Mexico. My dad is from Morelos, Cuernavaca, and my mother is from Guanajuato, Celaya. And I am super proud of the way they came up, they got here. Uh, and my, <clears throat> um, my journey in education um, kind of started around third or fourth grade when I really knew that education was for me. Um, and I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And so when I got my teaching degree, I started working right away in Catholic schools. And I really loved, I loved the small class sizes. I loved the community, how close we were and, and the attention that parents paid to their children. And so that was amazing. And I love what I did, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And my, my goal and my dream was to always, um, work for, a public school that you know geared themselves to helping immigrant students or students who spoke Spanish and so that was my dream and so I just I made the valiant choice to just quit my job without any job lined up and I applied to CPS but your husband I, was excited about that huh? my <laughs> husband was very he I I love the way my husband is because he's he knew I was happy but he knew that I wasn't happy and so he was like just do what you have to do you know um and we weren't married then so I mean he had no you know (laughs) he had he he was just there like keep going keep going and Mm -hmm. you know I got a job a couple months after a month or so after I had quit my other job and it wasn't that long that's good it wasn't long and so I I just my principle from where I quit before was you know the moment you feel like you can't find another job come back because they really loved me um and so and I loved I loved them and I won't say that you know I just I needed something else right so I needed more and when I got my job here I said you know I uh, this is new I had gone from teaching fourth and fifth graders to second grade and that was a big humongous (laughs) transition yeah and now not only was I going to be teaching second grade but I also was teaching in Spanish and it's, it's a big difference, you know. Um, I know I can read, I can write. I'm fully fluent in Spanish, but I just, you know, you never practice it as uh, as yeah. professionally as you normally would. So that was a big jump for me. 
Um, but it was it was good. It was good. I love what I do. I love my community. I love my parents. I love my children. And um, last year was also very rough because my classroom had 35 kids. And 30- compared to my colleagues in other second grade classrooms was double. My classroom was double the size of theirs. Did you have theirs. an assistant or anything? I did have, oh, a, okay. have a full-time aide, um, but it was just really tight in there. Um, I can only it imagine. Was, it was crazy. The only thing that really helped us how well-behaved my students like, were. And it was it, like they really, they knew, you know, when we make when we're all talking at the same time, we make big noises and they knew that. And mm-hmm. um, they really worked around that. And it was so it was it was made my job worth it, you know, uh, but it was hard. It was super hard. There was things that we couldn't do because we were so large, you know, oh, and it was it was a lot. And so I. I can see that how classroom sizes really do affect the way students learn, Compared you know? Compared to, like, how, um, how smaller were they in your private school? Uh, my private school had about 15 to 16. Yeah. It is insane. It was exactly half. And my colleagues themselves had 17 or 18 kids in their classrooms. And so I was, you know, we were called the little freight train because if we were walking <laughs> down the like hallway, you, could, you knew it was us. Yeah. And so I understand why we went on this strike because I know mm-hmm. this is what we're going to head to. But um, it was it was a lot. And so that's a little bit about me. Um, I think. One of my favorite pastimes is really hanging out with my family, and I'm really homebound sometimes, um, and I love the season. This this is my peak season, it's one could child. say. You know, I I am a winter child, and I have embraced it, and um, this is my favorite time to remember why I'm so thankful for the things I have and my experiences, and this especially this past couple of months during the strike really reminded me why I became an educator and how thankful I am that I was given an opportunity to like make change. You know, I wasn't one of the head leaders. I wasn't like Stacy or anything like that. Um, but it was, I was making a difference, you know, and and, you were. and, and it was, it was something, it was something to live. I, well, that's really good to just know in general, just because a lot of people are still confused about like why you guys went on strike. That's yeah. why we do have the couple questions of um what it's like being a teacher at the CPS school. How do you feel about it or what what are things people don't really know? Um so I'm I'm really lucky. Our CPS school is super lucky to have such a great administration and and, and their ability to really manage um, their staff and their community to really kind of rile together to get things that we need. Um, but I have, as a student in CPS schools, I have been to some of some pretty sketchy schools. Um, and so it's hard. I remember being in fifth grade, being bused down, um, down on 12th and Damon, and I lived in Gage Park. That's a good 45 minute drive down by Cook County Hospital. And our classroom had 38, 39 kids. And it's a lot. And so yeah. you you never got the opportunity to talk to a teacher. You never got the opportunity to do one-on-one with her. And, like, last year, sitting in my classroom and thinking, like, wow, today I'll only be able to see half of my kids. I'll be, only have the opportunity to interact with only half of my kids because that's my rotation. I don't get to see all of my kids all the time or talk to them or have those one-on-one conversations because there is no time. Right. And so and it's and 
while I would love to see all of them, I knew my aide was there to help me with the other half, but it's not the same, right? It's the one-on-one. Like, <clears throat> it's that one-on-one as a as an educator, and my aide was amazing. I would not have been anywhere without her, and I and I every time I passed her in the hallway, cause she she didn't get assigned to my room this year. Oh, okay. I just I just think her. I'm just like you know. I just I don't know what I would have done without you. Being a first year teacher, having 35 kids, having the most rambunctious little yeah, yeah. people ever was was a roller coaster let me tell you but it's 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 different in so many schools and I think people don't realize what we're missing and we're missing so many things there's like there's students who who are homeless we have such a large homeless population Mm. that you don't realize we one of we don't have a person who takes care of the homeless children and how to get them services and all these things but we have a community outreach person who is amazing and she the moment she realizes there is a student or family that's struggling she moves she finds resources she helps them with clothing food um where can they find their next shelter and um last year one of my students um they had physical altercation her mom and her dad were fighting and Mm -hmm. so they were misplaced um her mom left and she was bouncing from house to house to house and at some point they were falling asleep in public places and the person in the office didn't know that because she didn't speak Spanish Uh and it's so it's so disheartening because a lot of Hispanic communities don't like to share their problems. It's always like, it's you always, keep it at yeah, home, keep don't it say in, anyone. Don't say anything. And so when that little girl was like, we slept near the library, or I was like, what are you talking about? And so, like, to see, have seen that family go from sleeping on the street to finding a, an actual home this year would not have happened had we not had someone care about them that way in our school yeah there's some that don't speak up they just want to keep it in because they don't want people to like know they're struggling it's true and then so there's just there's a lot of things that people don't realize we're lucky we have that person that can move who knows people in the community but it's not always that way in all schools and so it it's hard it's hard because our school has a lot of things but I I've been visiting and I've seen other of my of my friends who work at other schools say we don't have this we don't have that I don't know what I'm doing and I and you know and I we try and team up sometimes you know Mm -hmm. and we see what we can do as as educators and sometimes it shouldn't be that way I shouldn't have to wonder like well how can I help this family find a home where and on top of that try and teach this child who has to realize that I, I have to end up doing my homework somewhere that is not my home, you know, and how do you how do you deal with that? And so I'm not a counselor, but, you know, it's, how do I, how, it's challenging. Yeah, I can it's only imagine, yeah. It's I challenging mean, to deal with their emotional needs, too. Because it's true, like, I know there's some people that don't like to speak upon it just because, you know, mm-hmm. they're strong, they don't mm-hmm. want everyone to feel the pity but in reality it's like it happens every single day it does and it's and it's you hear it and you feel it and you want to do whatever you can but sometimes you can't i would say sometimes it's different when you hear about it just like some people are so immune to it like oh yeah it's home they're homeless or anything they're just like yeah and i versus firsthand experiences and they're in your classroom and you see them and they haven't taken a shower in days and you're just like wow like 
they're like your child, you know. Often they ask me, you don't have any children? I do. I have all of my all students. The, the 35. All of my all kids, all of my do you have babies. 35 this? I got lucky this year because okay. I got a partner added. Um, and they were moved up. And so now I have 20. Okay. It's, it's a it's better still, size. Yeah, versus 35. Uh, like. Yeah, absolutely. But there's just, it's a lot. It's a big, it's a big difference. And so I, um, sometimes if one of us is absent, they move our kids into each other's rooms. Oh, so really? I can go from having 20 in one day to having 42 another because we can't find subs sometimes. Yeah. And so, so that's another, and that's another issue that people don't realize. Like sometimes it's hard, it's easier for us to feel like we're dying from a cold or walking with pneumonia and, we we'd rather go to school than take a health day because it's so hard to get anyone to cover your room you know yeah but i also wanted to ask you how did the strike affect you personally um it was difficult um going downtown and going to the rallies and and seeing people um they hate us like it was it was there was not a it wasn't all the time but there was like people who hated us um, I know a lot of people were talking about um, the articles about how there's people sh- spitting out of the board of trade, oh. like actual spit, and I I didn't I didn't oh, have my. any of that fall yeah. on me, but there's people in front of me you could see them with actual spit on their jackets, and like to have someone do that like it's, come down come in our classrooms come see what we do every day with these kids you would not be doing that to us. And so, and there was a lot of people on the street angry and frustrated and they hate, they hated us. They're like, Just get out of our way, move on, get a real job. Or, and it's, and it's like, we're nothing almost like teachers are nothing. And, and don't, they, people don't realize we, we teach, we, we create future doctors, we create future lawyers, we create future people who work on cars or, you know, or it's inspire people to, make their own businesses you know we are we are the ground that that the foundation you know yeah for growth and people don't realize that so it was hard it was it was disheartening because we were out there and sometimes we'd have no one come and see us or it was just between our little circle it was hard because we'd see our students walk by and say hi to us and that was it like it wasn't we weren't in our comfy and warm classrooms like we wanted to be yeah. in and um I mentioned to you when um we first started the the interviews that um we actually had a police officer from the neighborhood um stop by I, oh, and, I couldn't believe it <laughs> yeah and I couldn't either I I was that as a union as a union brother like that made me feel like not that I couldn't trust them because I trust police. I, you know, I have a lot of friends who are CPD, mm-hmm. um, but th- this one person, you know, makes a lot of people look bad. Like, and I get it. You have your own opinion and a lot of those things, but like a lot of the things he was saying, it, they just didn't make sense, you know? And he was bringing up things like, well, I came to this school when I was younger and I didn't need a nurse. And I was like, what are nurses even good for? Like, like for him to even say that. Yeah. Like, okay, never go to a hospital, never go to a checkup, mm-hmm. never have anyone check your temperature or make you feel better when you're like hurt or in an accident. No, 
you don't want that, don't don't use it then. But he doesn't realize that these are children, right? And yeah. sometimes they don't even know what's going on when they get hurt. And it's just that emotional, like, consolation. Everything's going to be fine. When they see a nurse, is different than when they see their teacher, right? But it's, a, it's almost a different, like, a hero has come. The nurse is here, <laughs> you know? And my kids don't get that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a nurse that comes once every week. Oh, really? And if you are sick on any other day, then... You either sit there or I call. I call from my personal phone and say, hey, hey, mom, is there any way you come get them? They're really sick. No, I can't. I'm at work. And a lot of times my kids sit there with fevers and sick and Burning. put their hands down. And that's all you can do. Just make them feel better. And then we all get sick because <laughs> this much. one child is sick and, and then they can't go home. Else, yeah. yeah. And that's unfortunate because then it's just... Just because of the lack of the nurse, they could go there, they could sit there for a little bit, feel better, yeah. but no, they have to sit there. And exactly. Everybody pretty much then misses school. And yeah, and then attendance is placed up against uh, another teacher, like saying you're, you have bad attendance, you need to talk to your kids, like, that's not me. I was going to say, like, sometimes <laughs> doesn't it, like, the classroom effect too, like, if you're low attendance? Yes, or? it affects the school's uh, SQRP score, oh. which is, like, how... How are we seeing compared to other schools? They have good attendance. Great. They're doing an amazing job. Because and they get the more funding, there. don't yeah, they? Yeah. Yeah, but then they don't understand And there's the whole... so much pressure, like, for that to happen. And instead of, like, like what are the kids learning? Or attendance. It's always attendance. Always attendance. Attendance like, and great. If I don't get a call from the office at 8.30 because I didn't submit my attendance, then it's an off day or she's sick. Because every day, it's like, I can't even finish... Um, morning circle with my kids, or I can't even finish my morning routine with them because I have to submit attendance, you know? Yeah. Which is important, but, I mean... I know, but it's more of just, like, you're trying to get your <laughs> students into the morning, trying yeah. to settle them down into exactly. the routine. I understand. But uh, what exactly were you guys trying to get from the strike, or what would you have wanted to change from the strike going on strike? Um, things that we wanted to get. Um, there was a few things. So first one and the biggest one that you heard a lot on TV was class sizes. Um, it's hard because in the previous contracts, from what I understood, um, there was no clause or there were no words, um, that, that said, Hey, you can only have this many kids in a classroom. Right. And so, um, the contract wanted wanted that to happen because there was high schools that were recording 50 to 55 students in a classroom and how in high school and that's yeah. that's teenage children all trying to all fit into one room trying to listen to one person right yeah they don't get aids high school teachers don't get that but so i think sometimes they do like oh in college there's like the whole auditorium with like 100 students so they're just like okay they're almost there they can do it like 50 students yeah but it's a different mindset right and so you're talking about freshmen sophomores and juniors like even seniors they're still developing they're yeah you know there's a study that says that the student mind doesn't finish finishes developing until you're about 22 or 23 you know how how do you expect a, a small person or a 15 to 16 year old to hold their attention long enough for the teacher to call attendance, have everyone settle down, and then get on with the lesson. And I then like have, it's like half the class time, pretty much. It takes to, half the class time yeah. when you have so many students in one room. Um, and not only that, but it takes a lot more dedication and more time for 
the teacher to really connect with all 55, right? Because that's essentially what you want when you have all these students in your room. And so that was one of the main issues that we had was like the class sizes were extraordinarily high and we just could not get funding to lower those, right? Whether that meant hiring another teacher or making another classroom or splitting up that time um, and that was one. So there was another one um, that was money, right? And so you heard that more than you did class sizes. Yeah, I feel like that was the biggest topic, the money. The money. And so what a lot of people don't realize that in Illinois, or I believe maybe even Chicago, you're not allowed to strike. There's only two two ways to authorize a strike, okay. right? And one of them is for money or for, I believe it was like how you, how long you work. Um, in, in no, there's only two stipulations. And so we could not strike over our class sizes, which was, is was our main issue. We had to strike over our pay. And that was what everybody and pretty everyone much, took yeah. advantage of that. And so we would not accept the increase that they were offering, right? Because, because it, wasn't, it wasn't solving the class size issue. Yeah. And so when they kept throwing money and money and money, they weren't listening, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're asking someone to give you a cup of water, but they're giving you a cup of milk. You've asked them for water and they're giving you more and more milk. Right. And so they weren't giving us the 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 words in the contract. Right. Because that's the other thing. Right. Putting it in writing. Right. You can promise everything under the moon, under the stars in words, but it doesn't mean anything until it's in writing. And so that was the other issue is that don't worry. I give you my word. We're going to like having a form instead of saying like. Hey, I can put you down for this because this is on a contract. Why is my classroom this big? You yeah. need to fix this problem, right? They don't want to so, be held liable for it. Exactly. They're, exactly. They don't want to be held liable for it. And so that was the problem. And so the money issue became this misconception that we were greedy and all these other things. And so, yeah, money was the topic for the legal reason why we went on strike. But it wasn't the main reason, right? And mm-hmm. so it was the resources we needed for smaller class sizes. They were too large, right? And there's there's many more smaller ones, you know, healthcare benefits, um, teacher time, meaning like prep periods, like, um, and so how we use counselors that we needed nurses, um, and so there was a lot. A lot, but and I feel like we weren't informed about that. Like and, when you heard, and, and we tried, and yeah. so we tried every day after school. You know, we had our our CTU reps at school who are other teachers taking on another role to represent the union. Um, to say, hey, pass out these flyers across the street from the school if you have time, so parents know what's going on. And so, um, it was a lot, but it still wasn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. It was we were almost beaten out by someone who had more of an ability to put out um commercials to put out more propaganda in their favor you know it's it was an arms race almost right basically and so it was difficult and so we we wanted more in the contract on class sizes on nurses on counselors um and we weren't 
getting it. And it's crazy because a lot of people were like, well, what do you expect in two or three, in, in a month or two? And I was like, no, we've been at this negotiation table for months before we went on strike. Yeah. Months we were asking for these things and we warned them, you know, we told them like, hey, this is unacceptable. We will go on strike if you are not trying to work with us. You know, we've made a lot of amends. We made a lot of, um, we took a lot, we lost a lot. And so the contract, the tentative thing came about, you know, so there was a lot. Yeah. And that's what, um, what the next question is just basically, how did you feel about what you received? Because I know <laughs> you, <laughs> you weren't pleased pretty much. I, 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 I was not happy. And it wasn't, and it, and it was, it was a lot of different things that made me unhappy. Um, because of, of the wording inside the contract, yes, there's a lot of wording in there that, that stops class sizes, um, from being too large, but but they're still large. I was going to say, did you still feel like it's just, it was still large, kind of broad, like what the words they were putting in. From what we understood, from what I understood when I read the contract and I had my CTU rep kind of explain it to me, uh, was, you know, once you hit 28 kids in our, in our, in those high need schools, like almost like a little alarm will ring to CTU, CPS saying like, Hey, this is a too much of a larger number, but even after 28, you could still intake up to nine more students. Think about that. That's already 37. Yeah. You can almost hit 45, almost 50. And that's not what including what, what did the, that, the students, like sometimes with the teachers, you and said that missing. Exactly. And so that would mean that either they they dismantle that classroom and split it into two or they add another body in there. But is that really how it should be? Adding another body? Like how would that be beneficial in, in all circumstances? In all, no. Some, yes. You know, you know younger kids would benefit you know it's it's easier to manage younger minds um they they love that ability to kind of get to know two adults in the room yeah but with older kids is that something that would help is a ta enough for a high school teacher i don't know i've I've never taught high school so i maybe i wouldn't be able to say but i think the contract we want a lot because there's a lot more wording in the contract that said yes absolutely you will have this stop, this limit on class sizes up to this. But it's still a lot. For me, it was still a lot, you know. Um, And for me, it was never about money. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really, I have no idea what my increase was. Oh, you didn't? I have no clue because that wasn't, that wasn't my priority. Yeah. It was more, how did the counselors deal, right? And so a lot of counselors want a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We had a lot of counselors who, when we couldn't find enough subs, for our classrooms, they were being pulled from their job to sub in classrooms. And now they're not, now they're legally bound to not do that. Schools okay. can no longer pull counselors and they will be there to counsel and do their job. But sometimes you think the kids benefit, like take advantage of the counselor because I know the whole like speaking up and everything or like knowing. I don't feel like sometimes. That's a valid question. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, I personally, I'm not a counselor, but I think that will lie a lot in how a counselor deals with her students, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
they have to be able to be honest with her and I think once they have that relationship kind of made then then yeah like I think they will see her for real crisis situations but it's so nice to know that if there is a crisis like I had last year with one of my students yeah um who was homeless that I can refer her to a counselor because she will be in her office. She won't be stuck in an eighth grade classroom because she has to sub and she's out of commission for a whole day. And so we can find a sub, you know? And so like that in itself is a huge win because we were using counselors to fill in positions that they shouldn't be filling, Uh, that they should be able to do the rounds on their kids. They should be able to check on those kids who need that extra support. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, did we win a lot? Yeah. Is it everything we wanted? No. no. Um, I, I don't think so. I think, I think if we had stayed longer, maybe we would have gotten more. More. I think so. But I think there was a lot of fear um, with oh. November 1st coming um, because we would have lost all of our insurance. Oh. All of it. We Just, would have been you guys uninsured until November first. We would have lost our insurance, and we would have gone into something called Cobra, which is um, it's kind of like paying for your own insurance. Um, and those dudes can be insane. I've seen Cobra go like for like me and my husband, not with this one specifically, yeah. but before when I used to work somewhere else, um, go up to a, like fourteen hundred dollars a month. What? Who can afford that? that's a mortgage yeah you know and and that was a big fear and a a huge fear that like once we hit november 1st we were not covered and 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 so i feel like that played a big part and what people don't realize is that like cps could have chosen to leave insurance intact for us i was gonna say wasn't there like a decision like oh yeah Yeah. just leave it keep going like but it was almost like you went on strike go on strike no funds nothing nothing from our corner and it was and it was like we were the bad guys but we weren't we we were there for a reason and so they could have easily said no they can be on strike that's fine they're not getting paid for those days that's fine and they can keep their insurance but no they decided to take it and there was a there was a lot of fear the moment we were a day or two away from the first it was panicking it was pretty panic much, yeah it was panic because there was a lot of in my school there's like two or three teachers who are pregnant what are they gonna do once one of them yeah. was due in november in the first three weeks and so like what would she do if she had her child during that time you know like none of that would be beneficial for her and so would i would i have said yes to the tenant of contract would she have it's it was a lot it was a lot there's a lot of, um, I'm telling you, it was, it was hard to be out there in the cold. It was hard to turn people away. It was hard. It was, it was a lot of decisions that needed to be made. And there was a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. And so it changed a lot. I, I can, only, yeah. Like having that time for like November 1st, like you're done, like you're out of coverage. And yeah. so that's why we were back. I think that played a large role as to why we were not out longer. I was going to say, would you think you would have gotten strict sooner than if you would have, um, if you were like, if you didn't have, <clears throat> if you had that whole November 1st in mind? Well, or... it wasn't just November 1st. Had we gone on strike September 6th, October mm-hmm. 1st would have been that deadline. 
because that runs into our pay stubs, into oh, our paychecks, okay, right? Okay. So the first of the month, we'd get that paycheck like a couple of days later. That's when they would cut our service off. Mm, it's I always s- the beginning of the month. Okay, so I see. So it didn't matter when, how yeah. soon. It would have always been once that month was up. That mm-hmm. is, that's still a big factor. Like, it was a large factor. There's so many people with kids, and I get that. I understand that. So even with that, like, how did um the strike affect the student activities? Or because I know some people, like you were saying, that you guys offered, but yeah, CTU did offer to um continue um all activities, all sports, um but CPS said no, and so that's as much as I understood, and I, and I. I saw a lot of coaches struggle with that because there was a lot of us talking about how, like, I would have gone with no pay. Yeah, because I heard on the radio, like, saying, like, oh, like, um, some people, obviously not firsthand, but they were just like, oh, teachers should have just been, like, kept going for their students because, especially for the high schoolers, what up? Like, the seniors with their scholarships or the juniors we already, getting scouted. We already do so much without being paid for that doing a sport, it, it would have been fine. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of our coaches at our school who are like, I would have gone for free. That's and, my team. Those are my kids. And they thought they were being selfish by not going. That's the thing. Like, no. I heard that were there's just so like, many oh, misconceptions being, yeah. with that. Because there was just like, oh, I would have gone. Like, the people, like, on the radio, like, I was hearing that. And I was just like, okay, like, maybe you guys don't see or don't know. They just didn't know. Yeah. And like, it was a lot we of. We were misinformed about it. Just. Yeah. And in our community, I don't know who sent them or where they came from. There was people walking around. It was. Um, it was, it was two gentlemen and a woman uh, walking around door to door um, talking about the strike. Just going around? Yeah. yeah. And having conversations with people in our community. Um, and when they stopped at my door, they remembered they were talking about like, hey, have you heard about this? And I was like, yeah, I've heard about it. I didn't. I never mentioned to them that I was a teacher because I didn't yeah. think that was relevant. Yeah. Um, but they were saying like, isn't it just crazy that they, all they care about is money? And I'm just sitting there listening to like and they don't care about kids they don't care about the sports and how they're going to miss out on college applications and college entrances and stuff like that. i'm just like i was like none of what you're saying is true because you're you're the one who's out there striking and i and they're like well how do you know and i was like because i am a teacher they're like well no wonder you're so greedy and i was like whoa and it was almost like an attack on me and it and that's that's the misconception there's so many people out there that are they d- don't trust in the in the system in the in the in the proceeding of of this whole strike, right? Because I get it. There's a lot of economic unbalance when you leave kids home, right? Someone has to watch them. Yeah. Someone has to stay home from work, or you have to hire a babysitter, or you have to buy extra food. And how do you keep them entertained? And it's it's a lot. And I get that, and I understood that side too. But it there was a lot of information that was misconstrued. Yeah, cause and I, laughed. like I worked with, I work with someone who has said that his kids, the only thing is he has like two kids in private charter school and then he had two kids in public. Mm-hmm. So he just said like the two kids were just bored and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, well, the only good thing is that his um partner stayed home. So like they didn't really challenge, but I'm like for other families who don't have that. Yeah. It's like, that's lucky because there's a lot of parents who are very angry at us because they had to stop working to stay home. You know, and it was hard because it was almost like it was our fault, but... Because the parents... I was going to ask, like, how did just some parents, like, reach out to you? There was some... a lot of 
different sides. There was a lot of parents who were like, yeah, absolutely, we're so behind you guys. And we'd have those parents come and bring us coffee and bring us tamales and bring us food. <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot of support. But there was also a lot of parents who were angry. Just because they said, oh, you're keeping my child Because they were, they were just looking at their side. Yeah. Right? And so, and I get that. It's yeah. hard. You know, it's hard to live in Chicago when it's super expensive to live here to begin with. And um, it was, it's hard. I get, I get it. I get yeah. it. It's hard to live here, you know. But in general, like, what did you want us and our listeners just to take out everything? What do you want to, like, leave final note for this? I think I don't regret, I don't regret voting no on the tentative agreement. I... I want people to know that there's still there's still so much more to fight for. Like Stacy says, I love that woman so much. She's <laughs> such a great speaker. Um, and I there's still so much more to continue to fight on. And by voting no myself on that tentative agreement, I feel like because it didn't fit my val, it didn't fit with what I wanted. Because I know there's still so much more. Um, I, I think I think there's just so much more and this is just the beginning. I think that Chicago realized that we're almost like a force to be reckoned with. You know, like yeah. it was it was huge to see us downtown. Like it's a whole nother experience to be side by side with a stranger you have no connection to except for teaching. You don't realize how quickly we come together. Yeah. Yeah, and like... it's and it's you know, it's continue to empower each other, continue to speak about um, what is going on in our schools, continuing to require parents to come in and see what happens in our building to our kids. Come in and look for resources with us. Come in and, and provide us your help. Um, and for people that don't know anything about education and talking about education, come and spend a day with us, you know, and come and spend a day in the shoes of a teacher with 43 kids. 34 kindergartners, 50 high schoolers, and see what what it means for us to to teach them, and then during a strike, leave them, leave them with without anything. And it's almost like you abandon your own kids. And so, I want I want people to realize that this is just the beginning. Um, there's so much more to fight for in Chicago, um, and it's it's a lot of fighting to put our kids first because there isn't a lot of that, and uh, people don't realize that we're we're building a society where children are are thought of last, in my opinion, um, and I want that to change. You know, a lot of people want to like think that it's all about building, a lot about commerce, a lot about bringing in businesses, and that's that was the whole Lincoln Yard situation with them, or, you know, um, all those other projects, you know, bringing business, but, like, who ends up into those businesses? Who ends up being those CEOs? Who ends up being those um, those people who who work in those buildings? Our kids. Yeah, and so if you're, not, if you're not putting in the effort or the financial stability for them, then who are you building? You're building empty buildings. Like no one will go in there because what kind of education are you looking for? You know, um, it's not a good one. I mean, we do our best, but I I can see it being better. You know, I can see it being better. And it's not about the teachers. It's about how much, how much more we can give our kids. 
and I think I think that's it. I think there's more. This is just the beginning to fight more for our kids. Well, thank you so much. That was a lot. I know it would be informative for a lot of people who were misunderstanding the whole situation, but I do appreciate all everything you pretty much informed us with. Thank you. I we didn't know a lot. Like like I said, we were only limited to one side. And I think that it's it's important for people to ask these questions. Um, ask asking questions is important. And so I want to thank you for allowing me to spill the beans and <laughs> just talk it up here. <laughs> Sounds good.